God bless you. Join me in prayer tonight. God, we love you and we thank you. We need you. We need your help. We need your strength. We need your anointing. We pray a special prayer tonight for the Perkins family. We lift up Sister Cherise. We lift up Destiny Grace. We lift up the family now. We ask God that you give strength and grace and peace in the time of difficulty and sorrow. Allow us to wrap our arms around them and love them in this season of stress and grief. Now God, we thank you for the word. Open it up, make it alive to us. Speak afresh to us in ways that we could not get on our own. Allow us to hear you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you, saints. So glad you joined us tonight for this Bible study. We are excited about it. Last week, I was just so grateful to uh, Elder Wade, who stood in my stead and taught a tremendous lesson last week on love. I want to lift up um, a series that I've been doing. And this is series is called Living Faith in Stressful Times. Living Faith in stressful times. This is actually part six of the series. And I have been uh, working through the notion that the early church fathers, while great and faithful and anointed, the early church mothers, while diligent and dutiful, believers in general, were all functional, flawed saints. Functional. They did as God commanded them to do. But flawed. Their humanity was always a factor, and sometimes it cost them time, sometimes it cost them resources, in the case of Israel leaving out, and we'll discuss this in the future, it cost them 40 years. 40 years of wandering. Their flaws get in the way. I examine those in this series, not to pick on them, but to help you understand God's love is greater than our failure. And God's love is greater than our flaws. And God's love looks beyond our faults and sees our need. And also sees how we fit in to the divine plan that God has for us. Let's go to Genesis chapter 26. Genesis chapter 26 verses 1 through 11 is about all we can deal with tonight. Here it is. I'll read the first three verses and we're going to use them all again in the teaching. There was a famine in the land. Besides the first famine, that was in the days of Abraham. 
this little caveat statement here is to let you know that this is not the same story being retold. This is a different story, a different famine, which is interesting in that it, they want to make sure you divide this story from previous stories. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, in Gerar. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt to live in the land of which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants, I give all these lands. I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham, your father. Living faith in stressful times. This is an awkward text. Awkward in that here again, we have this young man now stuck in a situation where he wants to know what to do. And now Isaac has to figure out how am I to survive a massive famine? And, and famines will generally cause by natural issues. Locusts could have come through and torn up the crop. Dryness and not allowed any crops to grow. Well, whenever there's no crop, there's no, the animals can't be tended to, then animals die. All of a sudden, there's nothing for anybody. And no amount of wealth can get you out of a famine because if there's nothing to buy, there's nothing to have. And they're in this situation. And Isaac has to make a choice. The land of the Philistines or the land of Egypt. From the statement of God, it would appear that he was really contemplating going to Egypt. Because God says unequivocally, do not go down there. So the thought has to be in his mind, I'm going to go. And he might have been leaning that way and God says, no, not there. But live in the land of which I shall tell you. Watch this. There are some interesting pieces to the puzzle because he's in a stressful situation. He's trying to live his faith, but number one, he has to make a pressured decision. A pressured decision. <clears throat> what does that mean? That means that he has to make a choice under pressure. The famine put pressure on him to do something. You've got to do something. The result was a forced migration. The famine put pressure. He's got, he's got his family to feed. He's got his livestock to take care of. He's got his servants around him. You've got to make a choice. And the famine is putting pressure on him. 
And as we notice in the text, he's pressured, and it would appear that he wants to go to Egypt, but he's told to stay here, or go to Gerar, and then this land is going to be the blessing. You know, whenever we are under pressure, we've got a choice. Do we, do we depend on the voice of God, the wisdom of God, divine direction, what we should do? Or does the pressure dictate to us, go in this direction because that's what you have determined is best? Sometimes what we determine to be best may not be best for us. It may not be what God wants for us. But he discerns and hears the voice of God. I'm going to come back to this. Because God literally speaks to him. And God shows him. Here is the place. I hope I hope you get this when I say it. The truth of the matter is we live in stressful times where God doesn't always speak to us. As a matter of fact, a lot of what goes for prophecy these days is not real prophecy. I'm not trying to blow anybody up about prophecy or not prophecy, but I can tell you this much, uh, over half of the prophets who predicted uh, that, that Trump would win, those who predicted he would win re-election all were seen as wrong or false. So does that make the other people who vote predicted that he would lose to be right? Everybody had a 50-50 chance. But the truth of the matter is those who predicted that he would win were found not to be so truthful in prophecy. Now why does that matter to us? Because God doesn't always speak to us. God doesn't always give us great, great word. Here it is. Do thou this. Stay in the land that I show you. God doesn't always do that. But what God does many times is he gives us discernment. He gives us discernment. And I tell people all the time, discernment functions as a part of the Holy Spirit working in you and the peace of God because the Holy Spirit is a lead, a guide, and a comforter. If you're discomforted in a decision, it may be that your anointing is picking up on something that you should be aware of and you need to discern further. Because where God is, peace abides, even if there's chaos around it. He's in the midst of a pressure decision. And he has now into forced migration, and this is difficult. Because something else is going on here. Because he's in this place, he realizes something, and you ought to realize it. Point number two, and there are, there are seven of these things that speak to me. So the second of which is this. Number two. He realizes he's in personal danger. Personal danger. The migration was not the issue. 
It's the location. The land of the Philistines is froth with dangerous conditions. It's the location. Now, now you, you know the Philistines, and as those of you Bible scholars, you know that's Goliath was a Philistine. So, so when, you, when you think of this land of the Philistines, you can't think that he's going into friendly territory. He is going to stay in hostile territory. He is in personal danger. His family's in danger. Everybody around him is in danger. In the words of, of some folks who uh, travel a lot, the, the area that he's in can be pretty sketchy. People around him are not going to be all that keen to have him a foreigner there. And later on, we'll discover next week, more than likely, the prosperity that God gives them in the midst of them causes the people around him, when they can't just come in and slay him, they end up with microaggressions and sometimes macroaggressions and sometimes simply passively aggressive, but it's all aggressive against them because they're really in personal danger. Now, I need to tell you this. This is going to bless your heart. Don't think that everywhere God sends you to is going to be easy for you to go to. Don't, don't think that, well, if the Lord sent me there, everything's going to be perfect. No, God didn't send you there because it was perfect. If it was, if it was perfect before you got there, it would be imperfect once you arrived. You have to realize that you are being placed in where God wants you to be. Many times, those are not easy situations. But there are places where God can bless you. And God blesses us in strange places. So I don't have to always look around and say, oh, everything looks like sunshine and Skittles. No, sometimes it won't be. But that doesn't mean God didn't send me there. That doesn't mean that door wasn't open for me. That doesn't mean God doesn't want me to enter in that place. It could be dangerous, but that doesn't mean God, you know, God opened up this door here, but behind the door, I can see there might not be perfect. I need to be at peace in this matter and recognize the Lord won't send me where he can't keep me. He won't put me be in a place that he can't bless me in the midst of it. God, God said stay there. Lord, this is Philistine territory. Stay there. Lord, this is Philistine territory. Stay there. You're not going to be any better off in Egypt just because you think you can make an easy alliance in Egypt. No, stay there. Stay where you are. Because even though it may be enemy territory, that does not mean that it can't be a blessing to you. Woo! Uh, I, I, we used to sing that song. I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. You know, I took back what he stole from me. You know, I, I took back what he stole from me. I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. And now he's under my feet. He's under my feet, and there ain't no devil in hell gonna walk on me. Listen, you have to be willing to endure some personal danger 
Because if you're going to go get what God has for you, you got to be willing to go take what's yours. Woo, preach what? Living faith in stressful time. Number three, number three, number three. Number three, number three. He had to recognize he had a promised destiny. A promised destiny. Now this is important. This is important. Destiny is upon your life. Now look at look what we have. Let's go, let's go to Genesis 26 again. Verse 2 through 5. I'm reading it again, the New King James Version. It says, then the Lord appeared to him. So we know we have a theophany experience here. This is an appearance of the divine to a human being on earth. We have a theophany experience. God is talking. So the Lord appeared to him, and then God spoke. He said, do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I shall tell you. Verse 3, dwell in this land. So number one is stop, go no further. Number two is stay, dwell, build an inhabitant and a habitation. He says, and I will be with you. Full stop, I don't even need any more. Once you tell me that, I'm good to go. God says, I'm not leaving you here. I will be with you. He says, and not only am I going to be with you just hanging around, I'll bless you. And now he offers him the promises that were attached to Abraham. Ooh, this is so good. He says, for to you and your descendants I give all these lands. I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father. Now, now in case you forgot the earlier story, this is, this is like shouting music, wonderful confirmation, because now this guy here, the trickster, got his comeuppance and took his brother's birthright, and now God is confirming that what your brother sold to you now belongs to you, and that you carry in you the seed for the blessings of others, and your descendants now carry the seed of the blessing because all oh men. So you're in a strange land. You're going to have to stay here, but you also are getting confirmed now of the promises of God that are going to be carried on through your lineage. My God. Verse 4. And I'll make your descendants multiply like the stars of heaven. And I will give to your descendants all these lands. And in your seed, all the nations of the earth that shall be blessed. Why do I need to stay in this land? Because you're staying on territory I'm about to give you. And I want you to rest on the territory you're about to get. And I want you to realize what this territory can do and what you can have in this territory. So stay right here. I'll show you while this place that others may not have made work, that others may not have seen prosper, it can prosper. I'm making a promise that I'm with you. Stay right here. Stay here. Now listen to what he says. he says. He says, in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. But verse 5 is like, jump back, Jack, get him up, let's go. Because Abraham obeyed my voice. Again, pause. The, 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 the experience is setting him up to learn how to function 
like Abraham. The experience is setting him up to let him learn how to function the way he should function and the way he should function and must function ought to be that of a person of obedience. He says, Abraham obeyed my voice. You, son, learned to obey my voice. Abraham kept my charge. He's calling the roll. You keep my charge. Abraham kept my commandments. You keep my commandments. Abraham kept my statutes. You keep my statutes. And he kept my laws. Now you keep my law. The legacy is being passed down. The anointing is being passed down. The oil is running down. God is setting him up for the blessing that's coming in his life. There's promised destiny on his life. Promised destiny. God has something for you and through you, so it's beyond you, it's greater than you. Let me speak over your life right now. God's got promised destiny on your existence. It's for you, it's through you, and greater than you. So that you have to know that the next generation is being set up by what God is doing through you, for you, in you, and your obedience to what God is doing right now. God wants to bless. God wants to deliver. God wants to heal. But he's going to use somebody in the earth realm to be the provider of the blessing as the blessing goes through them to others. Now that's great. I'm ready to shout on that. I'm ready to shout. I hope you're ready to shout. You, you ought to be ready to dance because I'm speaking to your life right now. But in the midst of it all, Point four is where we hit a pivot point. God done spoke to him, told him to stay. He gets to make an alliance. You, you, you know, the, the beautiful part is he's there and he gets to make this alliance there with the king. He's allowed to stay. He's able to be right there. You, you don't have to go nowhere. You know, we can sing that song. We ain't going nowhere we ain't going nowhere we can't be stopped now never mind you got it he, he set up but here's the problem number four he's under psychological duress psychological duress oh my goodness What do you mean, Reverend, psychological duress? Uh, he, he now is under psychological duress, which was caused by the fear for his life and by the knowledge that his deceit could be exposed. Rabbi, Reverend, 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 what are you talking about? He's under duress. He, he, he's, he's afraid. He knows he's in the land of the Philistines. That's enough to make him afraid. But he also knows he said some things that have put him in a situation that we got us, uh, excuse my ebonically challenged self as I speak this. He, he's in a situation where, where, there, where some things are going to be going on. 
And he's afraid there might be some furniture moving up in here. Now, now you, got, you got to get this part. This, this is important that you get this. Because look at verses 6 and 7. Look at verse 6 and 7. So Isaac dwelt in Gerar. And the men of that place asked about his wife. And he said, I know you already know. You don't have to read scripture. Y'all know what he said. She's my sister. For he was afraid to say, she is my wife. Because he thought, lest the men of this place kill me for Rebecca. Because she is beautiful to behold. Man, really? Are we here again? Are we with the wife, my sister? Now, it's important for you to realize that's the same game Abraham played when he was by the king of, of Abimelech. So you would wonder if this is the story being retold twice, and it's not. The king of Abimelech is not simply a name of a person. It is the name of a title so that years down the road after Abraham pulled that stunt among the Philistines, again his son, like father, like son, pulls the same stunt again. I'm going to say that again. So daddy had a bad habit of saying, mama just my sister. Now, now I got the same habit because when we get scared, we will say whatever we think we need to say to get out of trouble. You know, some of y'all might know this. I, I've never experienced this because I probably because I've always been a huge guy. But but some guys get nervous when they take pretty girls out. Because especially going to the club, if she dressed too flashy, I'd be like, look, no, change that, change that. I don't want to fight everybody in the club over you because you looking like that. Now, I've never experienced that. I'm not the club person either, but but look, I can understand. Because there's some disrespectful brothers out there. If they see a pretty woman, they come like a pack of wolves looking at a piece of meat. And so I understand how you might get unnerved. And here he is. He unnerved because he thinks they coming to get his woman. And now he's up there talking about this. No, no, no. She my, she, she my sister. She my sister. You lying some of them. You's a liar. Liar, liar, liar. If you wore pants, they'd be on fire. You liar. And he doesn't do it one day. He starts living the lie. Listen to me, y'all. This went on a long time. A long time. How do I know? The, the verse gives it this way. Now it came to pass when he had been there a long time that Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, looked through a window and saw him. I'll, I'll come back to that verse in a while. He's been there. So, so he's under psychological duress. Go back to my, my previous point because he's in fear for his life and he has this knowledge that his deceit could be exposed. Somebody could find out what you've been doing. Somebody could find out what you've been doing. Yeah. The truth of the matter is, this is number five. 
And, and you need to hold on to this one because it's, uh, it's so important to get this. This was planned deception. Planned. Yep. You planned it. Now, I want to say this. God told him to stay there. God told him to stay there. God, let me say it again. He has a theophany experience. God speaks to him. Tells him the plan. The plan is, you're not going to Egypt. You're staying here in the Philistines. God says, going to bless you. Bless your descendants. I'm going to be with you. Yo, I'll be there. I'll be there. Just call my name. I'll be there. God said, I'm there with you. I'm like cooling the gang. We got this all down. God says it. God. I can't make this point large enough. When God said it, do you think God didn't know what his wife looked like? God knew how Rebecca looked. God probably knew well how men would look at Rebecca. God knew what she was all about. God knew she was about it, about it. First Instagram model of, of the biblical era. God understood. God understood she was that she was all that in the bag of chips and carried her own dip. God understood that. Man, if God said you stay here and I'm gonna be with you. What are you doing now planning to deceive people? Because now what you are actually showing us is you really don't trust God like you say you did. You really don't trust God like you say you did. You said, Lord, I trust you. But the first chance you got to prove your trust you went offline. You way off script. Look at, look at verses 6 and 7 again. He says, For he was afraid to say. So he said, I'm afraid. I'm scared. And scared money don't make no money. Scared people are always going to be in danger. They're always going to mess up. He was scared. She is my wife. Because he thought Lest the men of this place kill me for my woman, because she is beautiful to behold. You know, I could have accepted this lie even better if he said, you know, I'm, I'm a protector because I, I don't want anybody to get her, take her, mistreat her, physically abuse. No, this is all about you. It's all about you. You, you worrying about saving your life and not even thinking by you saying that, that she's your sister, you now have exposed her because someone thinks that she can be made a wife. Someone thinks that she's available. Someone wants to bring her into their house. So you protect you, but you unprotect her. Plan deception. I want to say this to you. Um, the problem with this planned deception is that 
it shows that you really don't understand God. You don't understand that God has made a promise and the promise was not just to you, but to your family and to your seed, which meant the promise was made to Rebecca as well. You can't get your seed if you let your wife be tainted. You can't get the blessing if something goes wrong with her. She's a part of the blessing. You are together. It's a couple. It's not single, single. It's couple, couple. Some of our blessings we've got to realize are not just bestowed upon us. They are bestowed upon us within a collective. Within a collective. You, 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 you don't just get, that's why many times you see pastors and first ladies working and doing ministry together because you don't just get one, you get them together. You see wives who are now pastors and their husbands are working in ministry with them. You don't get one, you get both because the blessing is in the house. It's in the house. It's in the household. That's why if your husband is blessed, you're blessed, sister. If your wife is blessed, you're blessed, brother. It's in the house. It's not just what one individual has. It's what is in the house. It's, ooh, preach. And you've got to understand household anointings and household blessings and household ministry because once God puts it in the house, there's an anointing that goes with that, that covers that. And so when he functions in this planned deception, he functions without the knowledge of realizing that the house had to be blessed in order for the world to be blessed. He missed it. He missed it. Don't you ever fool yourself. Uh, Creflo Dollar tells a story, and I, I, I've only heard him tell one story. I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't listen regularly, but I love the story he, when he told us one time. He, he said this story, he was upstairs. I think he was upstairs praying or downstairs praying. And uh, him and Tammy, Taffy had been in, a, in some tiff, and they were not doing well. And, uh, and so he's trying to pray and speak in tongues. And the Lord told him to get off your knees. Get off your knees. Uh, why, Lord? Because she's upstairs praying too. And you, you can't be down here trying to separate yourself from her up there knowing that you all got something you got to work through. Let me tell you this. The blessing is on the house. You got to bring that thing together. The household. How can two walk together? How? Except they agree. Well, the moment you are going off in one area and then in another, you've got separation. So now we got to work back to get to agreement so we can get rid of deception, even if the deception is only within the doors of the house. The blessing was upon him. Isaac, you got this blessing, but you don't have it without the household. It cannot function without the, who preach was. Okay, I gotta hustle, gotta hustle. N number six, I got two more, two more to do. Number six, 
the scripture tells us something that is really interesting. He'd been there a while. Now verse 8 and 9 jump out. Let's read those and then I'll tell you what it is. He says, now it came to pass when he had been there a long time. Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked through a window and he and saw, and there was Isaac showing endearment to Rebekah, his wife. Okay, let me tell you something. We have what we call here a political disaster. It's a political disaster. You, you, need, you need to get this down. Get this in, get this down. Political disaster. Why is it such a disaster? It's a disaster right now because what we have now, and, and I, I want to read it in the Amplified Version while I'm, while I'm looking at it. It, Amplified Version says, verse 8, It happened when he was, had been there a long time that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out the window and saw Isaac caressing Rebekah, his wife. Uh-huh. So he wasn't just endearing her. He was caressing her. Now, whatever he was doing was not a brother and sisterly act. It had a little something, something to it. And the king said, looked out, and he saw him touching her in a manner seemingly only to the couples that have gone down the aisle and gone through the nuptial ceremony. Now, I don't know what he was doing out in public that brought that much attention to him. Because now you got to remember now, he had to be in a public place. The king had to look out of a window. So it, it had to be somewhere near other people. And what it, whatsoever he was doing. Woo! Last night, my wife and I, uh, no, the other day, we, we, were, we were at home. And, uh, and I put together, uh, I, my son and I, got my stereo running. And so I had some music going. Music was going good. And, uh, and, so, and so I, you know, I was dancing with him. She said, oh, she said, let's dance. We got up and we were dancing. And I promise you now, my, my son stayed there about five seconds. Because the dancing we were doing just didn't seem like, no, it was not a holy dance. We were holding each other. You could tell there was a little more something, something there than a hello, goodbye. Y'all ain't hear me here. Somehow, he knew you touching that woman like you know her a little better than you say you did. Look at verse 9. Then Abimelech called Isaac and said, quite obviously, she is your wife. So how could you say she is my sister? And then Isaac confesses, because I said, lest I die on account of her. 
lest I die. It's a political disaster. It's a disaster because he has put himself in this lying situation. And now the king is looking at him like, man, I don't even believe you did this. You, you, don't, you, you don't look at her like she's your sister. You look at her like she's your wife. And that's putting it mildly. And he's looking at him. And now he knows that his alliance with this man is the only thing that allows him to live in this area. Now what will this man do? Will he kick me out? Well again, reminds you of this. God said, dwell here. God said, I'm gonna bless you here. God said you're gonna prosper here. So if God said that, guess what? In order for that to take place, the political disaster has to be turned around by God. And so the unseen hand of God has to move again in this Abimelech in order for God to save his servant. Last point, number seven, and I'm going to be out of here. It is the preservation of dignity. The preservation of dignity. That, that, that's, that's it. God did it again. Now this is good news for anybody because he's the one that messed up, but God cleans it up again. He's the one that made the mistake, but God blesses him again. He's the one that did it, but God comes to his rescue one more time. Genesis 26, verse 10 and 11. And Abimelech said, what is, it, what is this that you have done to us? One of my people might soon have lain with your wife. He didn't say marry your wife. That's not what he said. He said lain with your wife. And you would have brought guilt on us. So, now notice now, the king accepts in his mind the guilt of one as the guilt of all. That goes back to my household. The blessing of one becomes the blessing of all. It is the, it is the way. So if this had gone on, you'd have brought shame and reproach upon all of the Philistines because we let you stay here. Verse 11, so Abimelech charged all his people saying, he who touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. I'm going to close this out now. It's important you get this. This Philistine decides, I'm not only going to keep this from happening, I'm putting out a protective order. Here's an order of protection for him and his wife. I didn't say it in the beginning, didn't think I needed to. But right now I want to put an order of protection out because I want to save you from, uh, and all of us from you doing anything stupid. So here's my order of protection. You touch him, you touch his wife, you now have got trouble with me, it's death. Now why is the order of protection so harsh? 
Why not simply don't touch them? They're under my protection, my love, my care. No, he says the penalty for touching them is death because my life is on the line because if they're here, watch this, it's what implies, if they're here in this place, then they must have been put here under my care by the divine. And I don't want to have God come back at me that I didn't take care of what he put in my place. Okay, I know you didn't see it right away, so watch me give you this last point. Psalm 105, verse 14. Psalm 105, verse 14. Here's what he said. He permitted no one to do them wrong. Yes, he rebukes kings for their sake. God, I thank you. God, God said, God, I'll rebuke a king on behalf of you. I'll rebuke a king uh, to save your life. I'll rebuke a king to bring him back into subjection. He permitted no one to do them wrong. Oh, glory to God. Yes, he rebuked kings for their sake. Now watch verse 15, jumps out at you. You say it all the time. He's saying, do not touch my anointed ones and do my prophets no harm. Look, once you are anointed by God, an order of divine protection is put over your life and until God says so, nothing can touch. You know, I could go there. Nothing can stop me. I'm all the way up. Let me tell you, you have to realize God put out an order of protection over him and what the king said was the word of God. Protected by the power and love of Almighty God. I know God bless you, saints. I, I can keep on going, but I'm going to stop tonight. I'm so grateful you joined us here tonight for this Bible study. It's not easy to live your faith in stressful times, but you got to find a way to live it. And you got to realize that even if you struggle in living with it, God still loves you and God will find a way to hold you in the hollow of his hand and in his great keeping because that's the kind of God we serve. You live your faith to the best of your ability. You serve your God to the best of your ability and God's gonna help you and he's going to make a way because he makes the way. Thank you so much for being with us. I appreciate you every, each and every one of you joining us here tonight. Want to get ready to close in prayer, but first I want to offer extend an opportunity for anyone who's listening to this word tonight who wishes to become a part of the Shiloh family and team. You can become an I member even if you're anywhere else in the country. Call us up. 860-443-6046, extension 110. Write us, email us at shilohnlcomplex.org. You need to get a hold of us. We look forward to touch, being in touch with you. The exact email address and the exact phone number are on the screen now. Take a screenshot and get in touch with us right away. We love you. I'm praying for your strength in God, praying for your peace in God. Ask each one of you, keep in prayer again, the Simpson family, Perkins families, uh, our dear brother and our dear friend, Brother Reggie Perkins went on view with the Lord. And I just ask that you would leave, would keep them in prayer, keep their families in prayer, and keep his brothers and siblings in prayer. Uh, I know that this is a difficult time 
And uh, we've probably heard us mention more than once keeping uh, Minister Sharice uh, Perkins in your prayers. Uh, in a matter of two weeks, she has lost her mother and now her husband. And so I ask that you keep them in prayer and hold uh, little Destiny Grace up. Little Destiny Grace, their child, who has now lost a grandmother and a father in a matter of a couple of weeks and is still not quite at the age to get all of this comprehended. So pray for her as she tries to process all of this and the entire family. I love you, saints, with the love of the Lord. I look forward to seeing you on, uh, on the call tomorrow, conference call at 1 o'clock. Join me in prayer. Let's get together. Let's talk to the Lord on tomorrow, 1 o'clock. Then I invite you, please, saints, join us in giving. As always, you give on Tuesday night. We exclusively keep the, the giving for Tuesday night to be given away. Unless we have a guest speaker on Tuesday night, we give away the Tuesday night offerings through our diaconate. The Benevolent Fund goes out through them. So our Tuesday night offering, in case you didn't know that, we give it away. So whatever you give tonight, only time we don't give it away is when we have a guest speaker. But other than that, it goes back into ministry. 100%, we give it away. So when you give tonight, $5, $10, whatever you decide to give, you mark your Tuesday Bible study is going in to be given back into the community. That's our way of continuously sowing back into the people of God and the people of this community. And we love you. And God loves you. This has been a wonderful time together. want to remind you of our exercise classes, our Bible studies, our Zooms, our, all of the things that we're doing. Read your newsletter if you don't get, excuse me, if you don't get the light, get on our email address. Just call us or email us here and we'll put you on the light and you'll know what's going on. Amen. God bless you. I love you all with the love of the Lord. I want to invite all leaders and anyone who like, if you want to come in for a conversation we're having about the post-pandemic church, it's going to be online and a Zoom conference coming up this Friday, Friday, uh, the 16th, a Zoom conference on the post-pandemic church. How will we reemerge from this pandemic as the church? What do we need to have in place? It will be a wonderful conference. You can register for free. It is in your light. And I hope any all, and all of the leaders from Shiloh, I hope you will join us on that call. This is Friday for a couple of hours. Come on, join us. I look forward as we think through what the post-pandemic church is going to be like. We're going to build the church of Christ in a post-pandemic world. And it's going to be what Jesus wants it to be. Well, I love you. That's it for tonight, y'all. Keep in praying for each other. Keep loving one another. And keep realizing that God loves you and that you're going to be all right no matter what you're going through. Keep living your faith in these stressful times. And if you do that, the God you serve will continue to keep watch over you. Go in peace and the peace of God go with you. You know what I like to say? Shalom.